Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into another episode of the Bearcat Brunch brought to you by our sponsor, Royal Lynx Golf Tours. Have you always wanted to play golf at St. Andrews? Have you ever enjoyed that perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland? Royal Lynx Golf Tours is a golf tour specialist offering unforgettable golf experiences to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries are more than golf trips. They are immersive, cultural, and country experiences that will surprise and delight you, both on and off the course. Royal Lynx Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner, UC alum Jeff Bartholomew. So if you'd like to get that round in at St. Andrews or Ballybunion or enjoy that perfect pint in Ireland, visit their website at royallinksgolftours.com and call them at 770-331-1525. And with that, we are back again with my co-host Jeff Howe to recap uh, a disappointing and frustrating 25-21 loss to the University of Central Florida in Orlando, ending the Bearcats' 19-game conference winning streak. Jeff, good morning. Good morning, uh, Dave. As we do every week, I will kick it to you for your first initial thoughts. Um, lack of execution, inconsistent, and it backed up my first half offensive MVP Ben Bryant because when he's a little bit off everything goes off the rails yeah it was um there's a lot there's a lot to dig into on this one um my my biggest takeaway almost doesn't really have anything to do necessarily like offense defense specific it's like okay where was the tough and nasty? Yeah. Like, where was the offensive-defensive line-driven program? Where was the – just, like, the, the Bearcat mentality, the Black Cat mentality? Like, on Wednesday night, I said I did not expect a pretty offensive game. I expected it to be a little prettier for both teams. Um, you know, it was pretty ugly for both teams from a scoring standpoint. I mean – UCF moved the ball, had those two red zone turnovers, but like I did not think this was going to be some back and forth, knockout punch, knockout punch type thing. I said, I trust the defense. I trust Coach Fickle. That was the reasons I gave for why I thought they would win this game. And for all of the offensive struggles, they, they were in the position twice to win the game in the fourth quarter. The lead well into the fourth quarter on two occasions, and they gave up two of the most uncharacteristic Bearcat drives I've ever seen. You have a backup quarterback who's not like he's never uh, played. I was so it's, it's not like he, you know, he he played a lot last year. He hasn't really played this year, but you give up a 77-yard touchdown drive, 13-play drive, and then you come back and go right down the field and score to take the lead again. And you give up a 75-yard touchdown, another 75-yard touchdown drive. Like, I understand, and we'll get into the offense, and there's plenty, believe me, plenty to discuss. But, like, this – we've lived off of defense. We've lived off of, of this mentality and that you're just not going to be able to do that against us. That's what Chad and I have talked about for how many years. 
how many teams are just going to be able to drive the ball and score enough points to beat us? And twice they did it, it just in the fourth quarter after really not moving the ball very well at su- all that successfully, yeah. or at least not capitalizing that successfully. Um, so that was my, that's my biggest takeaway is just, you needed the D to step up and be the Cincinnati defense that we expect. And they didn't do it point blank. It was, it was very uncharacteristic from the start of the game though. Like they, it was almost like at the beginning when, when John Rice Plumley was in and they were kind of doing what they wanted to do, running the ball. Um, it kind of knocked, knocked the Bearcats defense back on its heels and they didn't really seem to recover from any of that. They were just soft on a lot of a lot of the little, you know, they were giving them a lot of these little short passes. And, I mean, I think the longest play of the game was Ryan Montgomery's 39-yard touchdown run. It was. I mean, and I wrote, I, I, this is what I kind of thought. The first half, they they spread them, or they, especially the first quarter. They didn't really do much of anything in the second quarter. But the first quarter, they spread us out horizontally, used their speed to, to stretch us and – we had some missed tackles, some bad angles, some some just poor poor play against a lot of their motion and misdirection and eye candy type stuff. And and then in the second half, when Mikey Keene was in, it was it was like you said, it was a lot of quick short stuff. Like they did, they attempted very few what I would even consider like down the field throws. Yeah. None of them were completed. Um, <laughs> So I'm a little confused. And again, this is just us, you know, Sunday morning quarterbacking, but like with so little attempts actually down the field, it felt like we were giving them just giving them eight yards yeah, on way too many easy throws. I mean, he would just take the snap, rock back, boom, it's out eight yards, nine yards, break a tackle, 12 yards, 14 yards, and just, it just felt like in the second half then it was more of that and bully ball. Like they used Isaiah Bowser more. They yeah. used R.J. Henry, R.J. Harvey more, which I think R.J. Harvey's their best back. I was super confused at Ryan O'Keefe's usage against ECU, and what do you know? They used him a ton. It's like, why Why is this so hard to, to figure out? Um, it just felt like, I mean, the defense – 505 yards allowed, six yards per play, completely controlled at the line of scrimmage. I mean, I know yeah. that we're, we are really starting to dig into some some depth issues along the defensive line with Malik out and now Jabari out. I mean, those are probably mm-hmm. the two best, two of our best defensive linemen. So it's going to take a toll. But, I mean, what, I mean, they have it as a QB, uh, QBH, so I don't know if it's a QB hit or a QB hurry. We had, we had one sack, seven tackles for loss, and one QB hurry or hit. Like, just nothing, nothing, totally dominated on the defensive line, again, by an offensive line that had a lot of struggles against ECU last week. That's the perplexing part is, like, they either just, like, didn't do anything they were supposed to do last week, and this is more of, like, who they really are, or we just totally kind of crapped the bed in every aspect, whether it was game plan, execution. Because I think – well, I think what? a lot of it comes back to what you're saying. Like, where where was the the tough and nasty? Where were were these guys just like bullying people? And it it didn't happen. It didn't happen. 
flat out didn't happen. There's nobody there. Whenever like we what do we? It was a QB hurry. So Noah Potter, no Noah Potter was credited with the QB hurry, and then you get to the quarterback one time. Yeah, 258 yards rushing, five yards of carry. The the quarterback or the third down problems reared their head again, seven for 15. And it was just very, like we said, it's a very non-UC defensive effort. Um, it's just a very frustrating game. Against an offense watch. that has, has big playability, we know that. I mean, they had 30 first downs. You know, too too many. Just that's the part that I think frustrate that I just didn't understand or frustrated me the most was that it was it just felt like it was very easy for them, even when King came in, to just get a, and then we'll talk about this offensively because I think this is a problem that I'm seeing offensively is like they gave him a lot of gimmies. They gave him what what what, what the, you hear a, a gimme, a freebie, whatever. It's like. Here's just a free seven yards. Like, yeah. like it's not, you don't have to read anything. They didn't want to go down the field very much because the, they rightfully so. They were afraid of pressure and sacks and everything. So it was a lot of quick stuff. It was a lot of the, the horizontal stuff. But even in the just like, the, especially when Mikey King came in, it was a lot of one read. Just catch a snap, turn, and throw to Javon Baker, or throw to Ryan O'Keefe, or throw to Kobe Hudson. And it was just an easy seven, eight yard completion. And then you're at second and three or third and two. And I thought they played pretty soft on the outside and, and, and gave up that what seven to zero to seven yards right there. And it was like, it, just flick it out there and then let's hope we can make a tackle. And there were a lot of missed tackles that yeah. just didn't, you know, and that turns into a eight, nine, 10 yard, 12 yard, Pick up nothing huge because, like we said, the biggest I think that their biggest play was a 26 yard run. So, and that came late in the game. Yeah, they had a 20 Harvey's touchdown run in the first quarter, and then they had a throw to Kobe Hudson on that last drive. They went for 26. I mean, they had 18, 26, and then a 17 yard touchdown run just in that last drive. Um, that the last drive just felt like inevitable. Yeah, it, it was. It, it's much like I feel when, uh, like, old school, like with the Bengals, like a little bit this year. You know, like kind of at the end of the game, like there's a little bit of time left. You need one stop, and you're in this weird, odd prevent defense. Like, not that what they've been doing the whole game had been working, but at least they weren't getting like, you know, just pushed down the field like right. in three minutes, two minutes. That wasn't happening. The drive before that was the one that where they where they you know got the ball with ten and a half minutes left, and we they had to have been shell shocked like they had been beating us the entire game. Get the safety. We had done nothing offensively, and we go right down the field and score. And there's ten and a half minutes left, and you've got to be thinking like, are you kidding me? Like we haven't really done anything on offense, and now somehow they have the lead. And their defense is gonna is gonna close this thing out against our backup quarterback. And they 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 got they have third and seven. And I'm like, okay, here's the perfect chance. Third and seven, your own 25 yard line, get a stop, get a punt, and build off of the last drive where we went down the field real easy and scored a touchdown. 
and on one of those plays that you and I are talking about, like 12 yard completion to, to Javon Baker. And it was just like a little pitch and catch, you know, catch it for seven, you know, power forward for the other five, whatever. And then they mm-hmm. just went right down and I don't even know if they had another third down in that drive. They didn't. And that was, that was just, it. it's just so, so um, uncharacteristic. I mean, I guess uh, it's it's so shocking because it literally never happens. I mean, we've done this for how many years? And those types of things have literally never happened. So when they it do, twice. It's, it's even more shell-shocking because it's not like this is something that happens even, you know, a couple has happened a couple times. Like, they've won 19 straight conference games. They haven't lost a game outside of the SEC in, like, three years. So, like, it's not like this is something that we're like, oh, yeah, well, this happened here and it happened there. Yeah. And then for it to happen again after you – after they score and the offense takes like four plays and goes down and scores. And now you're like, okay, three minutes. Yes. They have other timeouts, but like you literally only need one stop at that point to, to really give yourself a good chance. You're up three, you know, you make them use all your, you get a stop, you make them use all your timeouts, say you punt it back to them. They're going to have minimal time. And again, they didn't have any third down uh, conversions. They didn't even have to make a third third down. down. No, In the in the last in that uh, I don't know, and then you've got forty eight seconds and the that you know no timeouts forty eight seconds and it reverted back to what it looked like at the beginning of the game where I I don't know I mean obviously they're gonna have you know a lot of guys back they're probably dropping eight but whatever and then they're what Ben Bryant on that last drive. I don't think he threw one ball in the neighborhood of the sticks. No, I mean, and I get it. Whenever you're at fourth and thirty, you're like, there's, hard, there's not much you can. I mean, there's not much you can do there, especially point. on the on the first down play when you give up a, you know, James Tunsil gets beat pretty easily, and and you know you're gonna it's gonna be harder for for Ben in that particular situation because like the routes that are being called are probably you know you're trying to get down the field in a very minimal amount of time, so it's not like yeah. there's short routes being called. So you can say like, get rid of the ball, but there's probably nobody for him to get rid of the ball too. Right. Because the routes are still being developed down the field. You got beat pretty easily. So, and then once that happens, like there's nothing you're going to be, I mean, you're going to need a, a total fluke, fluke play after that to, to be able to do anything. So I mean, once, at 12 when, brings up a good point over here. Like the defense being worn out from being on the field that long. Oh, uh, sure. It was, it was a hot, it was in the eighties. Like you already have a couple guys down. Um, they were on the field a ton. I mean, they had, I think it was 37 minutes time of possession. Yes. Um, to 22. Correct. So yeah, eventually there is some level of an effect there. I, I can't quantify, you know, how much, but sure. You're on the field a bunch and you know, they've been kind of just like leaning on you and leaning on you. Like they never busted any of their like super explosive run. I mean, it was just a lot of five yards here, eight yards here, 12 yards here, just a, you know, a very methodical um, approach that eventually you're just not going to be able to withstand it anymore. Um, But again, we've, it's not the first time we've been in that situation either. So, and they've always figured out a way. So you know, I think that's just the, the kind of shocking, frustrating part is that they twice they weren't able to do that. 
seal the game. Um, I, 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 like I said, I, I tweeted out yesterday that I had a lot of things going through my head after that <laughs> game and trying to, to, to sort through it was, I don't, I mean, on top of the fact that I was sick and trying to figure all that out, but it was just like frustrating. It was a game that like was was pretty boring, and I've said that about several games this year that it just seemed boring. Um, a little bit. We've been playing with fire, I think, throughout oh, the sure. year, to like and, and finding ways to win. I mean, you can't keep starting games, spotting the other team, you know, ten points, and you're going three and out, three and out, three and out. Maybe uh maybe going four on fourth down the one time, not getting it. Uh, you can't keep doing that and then just say, well, our defense is going to go ahead and, and handle, you know, the, the short balls of what our offense is doing and we'll score enough points eventually. Right. right. Hey, I guess you want to get into the, the offense now? Yeah, we can, uh, we can start there. Okay. Um, first half, I have no idea what they were trying to do. First quarter. I first, really first have no. quarter. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend that I know much of anything, but I really just, I just don't understand what the plan was. The three and out. I mean, three and out, four and out, and then a field goal. You run, you know, you have what? Third and short on the first drive. And uh, you run Evan in, which we've talked about. Like I've talked about that. I don't really understand doing it that way. Because guess what happened? They loaded the box and basically went all out, knowing that it's going to be either a dive or he's going to keep it. Like, yeah. it, and then he doesn't come in the rest of the game. And we'll get into that because I thought Luke had a an interesting quote, and this is kind of a, a bigger picture thing that I I was thinking about. But in the same way that UCF had these like easy throws, this is the part of the passing game on the offense that I don't understand is. Where are the freebies? Where are the gimme throws in this in this passing game? They they don't run any. I mean, I love the fact that they you are should aggressive. go to the tight end. They they did they did start incorporating Lenny and, and Josh on the drives where they walk down the field. Right. I mean, I love the fact they're aggressive, and we talk about explosives and all that. But like, there has to be something in between. Explo- trying to hit explosive plays and nothing. You watch the passing attack, and there is nothing where no time really where Ben just outside of very few like, and they even do them a little bit deeper than like what UCF did, and and that's semantics of how you want to run your offense. But like, when does he just catch the ball, turn, and and hit a guy? Well, I will say on several of those, on several of those, it looked like he was just throwing the ball away when in fact they he was just high and outside. Yeah. On a lot of his throws, and it was he had a he did not like. Here's my thing: he didn't play good, he didn't play bad. He missed some throws, he had some drops, but like. But then he put some, put some dimes out there he too. Did, he's he's just he's really inconsistent right now, and we're I don't think we're, I don't think we're scheming up. Easy plays for them offensively. The like, easy confidence building plays that everybody always talks about. Whether it's for him, whether it's for the like the mm-hmm. running game, I don't understand. UCF had problems with runs to the outside last week. 
their defensive ends crash hard. So what do we do? We run the ball between the tackles pretty much every time we ran the ball until we basically abandoned the run game until a great call on the run to Ryan Montgomery. Great call. Mm -hmm. And good call on the little quick pitch to Chuck that got him the first down on the drive that I think it was on the drive that um, Josh scored on. But, like, they're good up the middle. They're aggressive. They're they're good up the middle. That's where they like to send their pressures. That's where they have pretty stout defensive tackles. And we just run the ball right up the middle. We don't try to get to the outside. Like, I don't get it. Again, Um, frustrating and confusing. He Ben held the ball too long on occasions. He had two critical drops, one by Tyler Scott that would have been a first down and maybe a touchdown or led to a touchdown right at the end of the first half. Yeah. One by Jaden Thompson that would have – that was a good play by Ben to escape pressure, get the ball out to him on a third down that would have extended the first drive of the second half. Um, but then he also missed, missed some throws. And, you know, I don't know I, – I just – I don't know – I'm not sure what more – if you're going to keep calling plays like this and keep wanting to stress the defense, then you're going to live in this inconsistent world. Yeah, that's true. Against good defenses. Like, they have a good defense. They were number one in the country in red zone defense. They're a top, whatever, five, ten pass defense. Like, they they pressured and and bailed and kept things in front of them, and we didn't take those quick, easy throws. I thought the offensive line had a really, really tough time with their games. They did a lot of tackle end stunting, a lot of a lot of games, a lot of games with then a free a runner right up the middle. We did not pick up like the mid the middle. The center guard or guard center guard did not have a good game picking up their games and picking up their pressures up the middle. A lot of that was right, you know, right in Ben's face, either resulted in bad throws or sacks. Um, so, and we're going to see that from Navy. That's exactly what they're going to do. That's what they do. So they better get that figured out because the offensive line did not pick that up at all uh, yesterday. You know, Holly asked about Corey Kiner. No and idea. Luke And Luke said, uh, Luke said afterwards he, that they, um, uh... That he wasn't hurt, that he was available to play. They were just going with the hot hand, um, and that what they hot needed. Hand? To... They ran the yeah. ball for like eighteen yards, not counting it, Ryan Montgomery's touchdown run. Yeah. <laughs> there was there was uh, no hot that, hand. I, I think previous hot hand maybe it was like a maybe it was like you know I don't know it was still in a, a pizza warmer from last week or <laughs> like uh, it it was kind of a, a weird weird situation because like a lot of people were noticing it on Twitter obviously um, oh, yeah. that, that Corey hadn't been in the game at all um, and so it was like well you know is, is his injury flared back up did something happen in the in the warm-ups like what's going on and Luke afterwards just said no like we you know we were just going with the he said hot hand we need to look what he, he we need to look and see if having those three guys in is something we need to you know do more of Um I mean, I'm not saying it Montgomery, Kiner, and, and McClellan. The way they were blocking and the way UCS defensive line was playing, I'm not saying that it would have changed made, anything. Made a difference. I have no idea. But I mean, it was still odd that you're not running the ball very well at all, and you don't at least just go, "Let's see what happens." Um, <laughs> but we've talked about it in the past, like the difference, the difference in the running styles, uh, like 
McClellan is very, very much, I mean, he, he can, you know, lay a hit here and there, but he's very much a, a finesse, like, like super speed kind of yeah, like. He's a, a one-cut space guy, and Corey's more of a straight ahead, like, get what you can get, and if, if you break it, you break it type Yeah. Thing. And I like you said, I was confused along with everybody else. Like, I, I think some people sometimes think that, you know, we have special insider information <laughs> on that get, while the game's going on. I did send Aaron a message because Aaron was down there, uh, but he refused to go over to Luke during the game and find oh. out what was going on. Well, yeah. Come on, Aaron. <laughs> but, uh, like, force X allowed to a team that had 12 coming into the game. Seven, seven QB hurries slash hits, whatever you want to call it. Numerous pressures. Like, that has not been their MO. Their MO has been, like, keep every like play off coverage, keep everything in front of you type stuff. I mean, Holt Mailers went 30 for 36 against them last week. And oh, they, and they had a running, years. Back, they had a running back go for over hundred yards. And then we come in and we can't literally cannot move the ball for a vast majority of the game. Um, you know, I said, we, they brought pressure. We didn't pick it up. There's nothing quick in the, like this just keeps coming back to I don't understand. There's the, nothing the scheme, quick yeah. in the offense to combat pressure, to combat blitzes. Um, to me, the offense is static. Like there's limited motion. If there's motion, it's from Josh or Lenny, and it's like a half line motion. Yeah. And it doesn't really dictate anything to the defense. It doesn't help you see if they're in man or zone. Like we never motion our receivers outside of Trey coming in motion to like get a jet sweep or fake a jet sweep. There's just no, nothing, no pre-snap movement to help you see what the defense is trying to do. There's no misdirection, whether it's in the, I think the running game is incredibly boring, like incredibly it, basic. Well, it, it's all very basic. Like the, the entirety of the offense. Cause it's try and hit, try and hit somebody going deep or let's hope that one of these runs gets broken. Uh, when the run is getting stuffed like that, and then you have to wait. Uh, this kind of goes to what Bearcat 12 was talking about. Um, I, I thought on that when he got tackled for the safety, sacked for a safety, it, it seemed to me that it was a play wherein he was just waiting for it to develop downfield. There was not a quick option, which we've we've already hit on that a lot thus far. But he was just standing back there, I, I believe, waiting waiting for something to develop downfield. Right. And and the routes weren't developed yet. And he didn't get rid of the ball and ends up taking a safety, which yeah, could have been even worse because it was almost a touchdown. Right. By like I mean, a, a hair of his knee. Well, it wouldn't have been, it still wouldn't have been a touchdown. It would have been like an intentional grounding. Well, right? yeah, if he, I think if that's he what thrown they call it. it. I think, I mean, I didn't watch it multiple times, so I don't want to misspeak to me. It, to me, it felt kind of like they got middle pressure and maybe he was holding on to it to try to – because maybe he knew, like, I can't just throw it away if there's no receiver around because I'm still in the tackle box. Yeah. So he's kind of drifting, drifting, and then at the very last second, I guess he – I don't know. I mean, you, you get in those situations, you know, who knows what happens. But I don't think he was even trying to throw it away as he was going down. I, I, I legitimately think it got knocked free of his hand. Like, I think it would have been yeah. – I think they would have confirmed – the fumble had his 
knee not bend down. Yeah, I don't know. I I try to black black out from that. But, but the angle, also the angles on, like even even though it was on ESPN, like there were several times where like the play was happening off the screen, like off the camera if, angle. I, that, that happened at Tulsa too. I don't know if that's just where they have these cameras in these stadiums that you can't pick up these like bottom screen throws like, and things like, like sideline plays. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's happened multiple times. And I don't know if that happens at UC games too. Cause I'm there and you know, I don't necessarily go back and rewatch everything, but, but like it does. we're back to being four 14 on third down uh, offensively. I, I, I don't know, man. It's play calling is, is a, is a tough thing. It's like, if, it, if it's successful, then it was, a, you know, I guess it was a good play. I'm just kind of looking at it more holistically of like, you've had a progressive drop in production starting with the second half of the end of the game. Yeah. Like, the Tulsa game was fine, but it wasn't great. The, the running game got going. USF, not great. Uh, SMU, not great. You obviously had the big time red zone issues. And then this week. So like, what do you, what are we doing to to remedy that where where are the fixes coming from from a structural standpoint like you can tell me put in evan prater okay do you really think that that's going to fix you're still going to be calling a lot of the same plays from what you've watched do you think that fixes where this offense is struggling uh the only thing i can think that maybe evan prater would fix and we haven't really gotten a chance to see a lot of it, so I'm just going based on what I saw when he was in high school because I I watched him a whole lot there. Um, is his escapability um, to maybe keep a play keep a play alive a little longer uh, for some of the, if we're going to continue to have these like kind of long developing pass routes? But then I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe the the team has seen that he can't then make the throw. Uh, as accurately downfield because uh, I think Ben Bryan is is very accurate downfield. Um, it, it's kind of these intermediate ones that he doesn't make. So maybe maybe Prater can keep it alive long enough that some of those can develop and he can make that throw. That that's about the only. I mean, yes, he can run. There's a threat of that. So it, maybe it changes the defenses up a little bit. And if he's in there more than just hey, come in on third down and you know they're going to stack the box because they know what's coming. Uh, but outside of that, I, I think it goes back to more what you touched on earlier, that there's not a good scheme for these short, quick hit passes that are typically there, that they can, they could, you know, run some of that stuff. So I, I, I don't know that that really gets you over the hump. Right. If that's and, what and, I, and I think, you know, in college football now, like you obviously see a ton of people with, a ton of teams with, if, if you don't want to call them dual threat, they're at least mobile. You know, like I'm not calling a, I'm not going to call Clayton Tune a dual threat or a, or even like a Tanner Mordecai Tanner a dual Mordecai. threat, but like Clayton Tune is very capable of, of running and when he needs to and extending a play in that regard. And Ben Bryan is not that, not that type of quarterback. So if you're going to play a strictly pocket passing quarterback, I feel like you just have to give him more opportunities for easy plays. 
Um, easy plays to stretch the defense both. I mean, we, we know we can stretch the defense vertically, but, like, we don't really do a whole lot to try to stretch them horizontally and then come back in with the run or come back in with the tight ends. Like, it's just not – it's not something we do. And, and so I want to read this quote because I thought it was interesting. This was Luke yesterday talking about the quarterbacks, about considering a change. And he said, no, we're all we're always ready to do it when we need to. And I don't mean that because things aren't going well, but just as a change of pace at times. We felt like that's what we needed to do, and if Ben was able to go, we needed to stick with it. Evan was ready to roll. Not that it would change a whole lot. Maybe it would loosen up the run game a little bit, help us out a little bit. I think that's where we have to really look at it and see the other ways we can use all of our guys the best way possible. That last line, to me, is the issue. I think that's where we have to really look at it and see the other ways we can use all of our guys the best way possible. I personally do not think a quarterback change on the whole truly would matter right now, the way that the offense is playing. Um, I, I'm not going to be a – I think Ben was fine. They could have won the game. He was fine. He wasn't great. He wasn't bad. He was fine. My problem is that he is not good enough or playing well enough right now to not be able to find a way to get Evan involved. And that to me is more than just – if you want to call it like a we don't run a two-quarterback system, well, I don't really care because the offense stinks right now. So figure it out. Like the offense is not functioning at a level where it's okay to not have him contributing. And, you know, I just think like, are you saying you can't figure out a way to get him involved? Like, cause if that's the case, that's like frankly unacceptable. Well, I I think, I mean, Tony Pike tweeted out yesterday and and said, this is not acceptable. And I I assume it was probably on the whole of the game. Um, but there, it, it does seem uh, like loyalty to a fault on on some of these things. Um, and I mean, we're not at practice. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if 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 you put Evan in, how how condensed is the playbook? It might not be at all. It might be a lot. I don't know. I'm just looking at this truly as like a fan and someone who <laughs> follows the team, covers this team, covers like I'm just having a hard time understanding like with the struggles that the offense is having that we're incapable or hard headed too hard headed to be like, let's try this. And I mean, try something more than just putting him in on third and three one time at the beginning of the game. And then I don't he didn't even run it on that one. Right. No, he, he, he he gave it because he got murdered, but so did Chuck because everybody knew what was coming. Um, so, like, I'm not saying platoon. I'm not saying two quarterback. I'm not saying like every get, other series. You get three series, and then you get three series, yeah. and then we see who's playing better. Like, that to me is an insane way to do it because how does either quarterback have confidence if you're like, we're going to basically let you guys play a couple series, and then whoever happens to do better, then you we're get gonna, to play. Right. Then the other guy's going to sit on the bench. But the way they're doing it now is not just working. Like, like, it's just. You, and you, it, it's yours. Like you're out there, and we're gonna keep calling things the way we're calling them. And 
Evan be ready to go in on, you know, a, a short yardage third down situation where they know what's coming and try to make something out of nothing instead of like, you know, maybe tossing them in a few times here and there, like change some things up. He'll put them both on the field at the same time. Why, why can't you do it in a drive? Like you get a first down yeah. and you run him in and you, and you run, a, then he runs a couple of plays. Like, I'm just, I'm, frankly, I'm just spitballing because yeah. the offense is not, is not figure something produ- out. it's not productive right now. And I just, there has to be something in between the like, nope, we're not going to play this guy that we know is talented and we know can, can possibly give us some stuff. And then the other, the polar opposite of like, we don't want a two QB system. Like, well, neither do I, but there, there has to be something in the middle. Because the offense currently is so inconsistent that it, I mean, when you go back and you look at, at the, uh, if, it, if you look at like the, the play by play, which, you know, gives you every drive and you just keep seeing three and out, three and out, three and out, four and out, and then a 10 play drive for a field goal and then four and out, three and out, nine play drive for a field goal, three and out, three and out with a safety, like you can't have 10 drives in a game and have two successful drives or three successful drives and a bunch of three and outs. Right. Because then you end up with 37 minutes of possession for a team that does run the ball a lot. So they're going to have typically have the ball longer anyway, but twice the amount of time of possession leaning the other direction. And you're going to end up with what happened at the end where you have a defense that is typically I mean, I know that they were off the game. They were a little bit off for the majority of the game, but now they've been on the field so long and they were already off a little bit. And it kind of, to my eyes, put them off even more. And they, I mean, they were gassed. They they couldn't, and they weren't making tackles. I mean, the the final, the, the last touchdown that UCF scored, Arquan Bush, like, kind of threw like a half-hearted shoulder into right. him as he was like coming across the middle. Right. And like, and I like Arquan, but no, there, there were issues all over the place. But I think just from you know, like I, you know, people can crush me, whatever. Like I, I think Ben is is a perfectly fine, capable quarterback. He makes plenty of good throws. He makes bad throws. Like he's a he's a very he's a very much a college quarterback. But like he's not playing at a level, and this offense isn't functioning at a level that precludes you from going let's see what we can let's see what we can jump start with Evan let's see what let's get creative let's let's give him a series where you know it, he knows it's his series and Ben knows it's his series and and it's mm-hmm. you know like you go you know whatever the game flow is and like you know it's hard to just come into a game and just go okay you're going to get this series regardless of of how the game is going and I understand it like that that is kind of a an idea that I don't really agree with, but like whether you needed a jump start or whether you want to attack, whether you, you know, got a, got a couple good first downs, and then you want to run him in and give them a totally different look. And because you've been doing this one thing really good, and now we're going to totally change it up. And now we're going to do this because they're not going to be ready for it. Or they're not going to have the personnel in the field to combat it. Like, yep. they're just not, it's not good enough right now. It's not winning offense right now where it's okay to me to just be like, we're not even going to try to just like, this is what we're doing. 
And like to go to what Bearcat 12 says over here, that uh, loyalty to a failing offense isn't a valid excuse for fickle. I'm, I'm not saying it's a valid excuse. Um, I don't I'm think just it's, saying, I don't necessarily think it's like, we're not, I don't think he's just being like loyal to a particular, he, particular player or particular thing. Like, I just think he's, he sticks with his, this guy's the starter. Like, this is the vision. This is he doesn't, I, he doesn't see it the way he, him and I do not see it similarly as like, I don't see Evan coming in for series here, series there as like a two quarterback thing. I see yeah. it as utilizing the full talent of your roster. Well, I mean, if you go all the way back to like, this is way, this is way back to like when, when Ritter came in at UCLA they have always said that it was the plan to like switch back and forth and see who was doing well. Right. And, and it just so happened that, that Ritter did well and ended up staying in the game. And then we know where that went. Um, and I'm not by any means saying that if you were to do start a game that way, now that Evan would come in and, and blow the doors off and then, you know, Ben's going to be on the, on the bench the rest of the year. Um, and, and play very sparingly. I'm not saying that. Uh, I am seeing it the same way that Dave sees it, that you've got to change something up because what's going on right now is not working. So whether that's scheming some more of these easy throws, if you're going to stick solely with Ben and then bring in Evan on these like one-off, you know, two, three plays a game kind of thing, okay, then you need to scheme something else into the offense that gives you these easy wins in a drive that can keep a drive going so that you're not, okay, well, we're going to run it for two yards and then we're going to try and throw a deep ball. Maybe I, maybe you get it, maybe you don't. If that doesn't happen, then we're just going to run it on third down again, get stuffed, and then punt the ball away. Right. Because that's I mean, a lot what it seems like is going on right now. When, when we get the ball down inside the red zone, and especially like inside the five-yard line, we bring in extra tight ends and extra linemen because we feel like that's where we have an advantage. We In the past, and, and you see tons of teams do this, we've used Michael Warren in a wildcat situation. UCF used Isaiah Bowser in a wildcat situation. Like You're using the full scope of your roster in as many ways as possible to take advantage of of the talent that you have available to you. That's what I'm saying here. Like, hmm? why can't they bring Evan in on third and three and put him in shotgun with no running back back there? And and he and he runs essentially the wildcat with his athletic ability. Or there's a throw. Because we know he can I mean he's We've not seen him make he's not incapable of throwing the ball. So <laughs> You can't play him as a strictly run running guy. Um, you know, we do those things when we get into short yardage or when we get into goal line. Like, why? I just don't understand why the quarterback is different. Uh, I mean, and have, it, I mean, maybe have, some of that does go back to the fact that we're not at practice or in meetings or in. Oh, I'm sure it does. Any I mean, of these not, things, you know, but it's it, it's to the point where, and a lot of it has been masked. I think by the wins, by the fact that they've been able to pull out, you know, wins when they start, you know, slow and they're down and then they come back, you know, and a lot of it is the defense. I mean, they, they did get, they did force the one turnover. They forced the one turnover uh, where threats 
uh, I think it got credited to somebody else, but um, I think it was threats coming in and knocking the ball loose. So you've got that force one, which turned into into two points for UCF. And then you, you get the other turnover, which I think ended up, did that one turn into a touchdown or it turned into a touchdown? That was the, the 10 play drive. Uh, I think where Wiley scored at the end. Um, and they used the, they used the tight ends very well on that one, on that drive. I think Lenny Taylor had a good, a good little seam uh, up the middle mm-hmm. uh, for like, I don't know, 15 yards or something like that. And then uh, they used Wiley several times on that drive. And it looked like the offense was like finally like going to start clicking again here going in and just didn't, didn't have that way. You have that touchdown, you get the ball back on a punt and you run six plays and punt. And then it turned into UCF touchdown. Then we turn around and came back and answered. And then unfortunately UCF put another 75 yard drive together, you know, back to back 70 plus yard drives that right. drain some clock off and you end up, you know, looking down the barrel of no timeouts in 48 seconds to drive down the field, and it, it just isn't going to happen. Good morning, Lamb. Lambig. How, how's sunny? Is, is it California? I don't know. I know you're on the West Coast. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's – what is it, the old Molly Hatchet flirting with disaster? Hmm. I mean, we, we were doing it for a while there, and it finally – and I think that's even the, to me, that's even like the even more frustrating part is, is Steve, Steven breaking news? Is there breaking big 20? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't see anything on my Twitter, but, um, but I think that's the, that's the frustrating part too. To me, at least is like all of the things we've talked about. For 45 minutes, they still had they still were in position to win the game twice. Yeah, and so it, it's like that makes to me that makes it even more frustrating. Is that all those things, and you still had a shot to win, and you just this time you couldn't you couldn't close it down. All the yeah. times before we we have. Guys have made big plays. You know, the other team has self-destructed. Um, uh, it, it was again frustrating, confusing as to what was going on. Like the, there's two drives where they went seventy plus yards at the end of the game. Again, it was like, you know, obviously you look at the stats. There was little to no pressure on, on Mikey Keene to have to do anything spectacular i didn't think i mean he played he did what he needed to do to win the game um i didn't think he did anything spectacular and we just weren't able to get there a lot of it was uh were these those little quick passes and and we weren't getting back there and or covering any of that it was a lot of soft coverage i thought like i said at the beginning of the at the top of the show um and it just it was just frustrating to watch it happen because it was like you know the like the end of those games where you just go into a prevent kind of defense and just couldn't slow them down just allowed them to move down the field you know 10 yards at a time and it's not not going to work no um apparently there is breaking news uh oh the big 12 scores big with 
by renewing media rights deal with ESPN and Fox. Uh, coming to terms with ESPN and Fox on a six-year rights agreement worth a total of $2.28 billion, an annual average of $380 million, according to sources. The Big 12 has two years remaining on its current deal, which runs through 2024-2025, and an annual average of $220 million. Uh, let's see. This is all from Sports Business Journal. The Trying to skim through here. The Big 12's ability to not only strike a new contract with the two networks, but also to generate a substantial raise in the rights fees was considered a serious long shot last year when Oklahoma and Texas left. Uh, but that has not been the case. At this stage, the Big 12's future... Um, yeah, so you are looking at... The extension will bring in $380 million a year, which is a $160 million increase from its current deal. You're going to have to use the ESPN app a whole lot, Matt. But, <laughs> but hopefully it won't be like ESPN Plus. You know, you'll, well, here's, here's one thing online. That, that our fans are not really used to that they'll need to get used to is there's this kind of like inside discussion about the way Fox broadcasts their games. And a lot of people don't like it because they – they show like it's weird. They show limited replays and they have their philosophy is like they want the immersive college atmosphere. So they show a lot of like crowd shots, uh, player reaction shots, um, like band, you know, all the other things instead of like a, on a play showing the replay of a game or a replay of the play itself. Yeah. You know, if you, if you watch like Ohio state, Penn state, like they don't really show a ton of like replay of the play that actually just happened. So it's a little bit, it's, it's different. I mean, there's a little like groundswell on Twitter about like Fox broadcasts being terrible and, and that they don't show enough stuff. Um, I wish, and I know that this isn't really possible because just because of the way that like college games are, are done. Um, and it's not that I know exactly what I'm looking at, um, with like an all 22 kind of thing. Like, uh, I don't, not breaking down those kinds of things in that way, but it isn't, it would be nice to be able to at least see the entirety of the field and the play, like in, in, as far as college goes, um, because sometimes you end up with like what I was talking about earlier, where like the, the TV angles sometimes totally miss the play or they're like overly zoomed in on, on some, you know, on like the ball carrier or whatever, and you don't get to see the what's going on that maybe would cause what's happening with the ball carrier kind of thing. Um, and I know that it's like, that's a pipe dream in college football, but. Yeah. So Bearcat 12 asks, what's the per school payout? The per school payout, <clears throat> once this new contract kind of goes into effect with 12 teams, will be just under $32 million a team. And that's before like all the extra. That's stuff. just. That's it's just, just the media. That's just tier one and tier two media. So you'll still have whatever the playoff money is. Um, you'll still have your Big Twelve championship money. Your your basketball tournament actually makes you money now. Uh, 
um, before, instead of losing money, which is what happens currently. Um, now it's not going to be like a ton or anything, but um, and what is what is UC's current? What is the AAC media deal worth to UC right now? I think around seven. So it's a it's a halfway decent jump just in media deal for UC. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is higher. It is higher than is it higher than I expected. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of right around what I expected. I thought it would be around thirty for the for the media the straight up media portion. So thirty one. I mean, thirty one. I mean, for, to put it into perspective, <clears throat> the Big Twelve gave. Uh, dispersed last year everything totally uh, you know the total allotment was like 42 and change so this new deal will just be 31 for media so you're look you're probably gonna get I don't know into the 50s when when once you're it's in this done. once you're in this deal once the new playoff, uh, and not, I mean, the new playoff, who the hell knows? I mean, that could just be so much money, but it'll be structured differently, possibly with, you know, each round of rounds or how you do will get you a larger share, you know? So I don't know exactly, right. but I mean, you could probably, you could, I could foresee it getting near 60. Um, yeah, I think your mark was shooting for 40 or for 400. I don't think that was ever going to be the case. Getting to 380 sounds like kind of like a meet me in the middle because I think ESPN and Fox were initially wanting to be around 350 combined. So if it's if it's 380, I think that is uh I think that's pretty good. Considering what Bob Bowlesby said, you know Oklahoma and Texas to cap for fifty percent, and now I don't, I don't think that this. I mean, I don't think this changes the equation for like trying to get Pac-12 teams. Yeah, but I mean, well, and we don't know. There could be there could be some things written in there, or like some discussions that were had that say like, depending on you know when Oklahoma and Texas leave, like. If you get I'm sure there's I'm sure there's group or this group, I would like I would think that there's escalators in there if particular teams joined then you would have a bump in money and not a further splitting of the current amount I don't think that that's carte blanche I don't think that's like if any team joins I think yeah ESPN and Fox will probably say like if you can get XYZ then yes, we'll come back and we'll discuss. More, <coughs> we'll we'll, more we'll money, compensate yeah. for that, but it's not like, hey, if you add um, North Texas, and you know, no, we're not doing that. Right, because right, I mean, right now that because this money, what you said, it gives what two more years for the current contract. Yeah. So th- this is all based on no Oklahoma and Texas in the in the conference. Right. So. You, so yeah, this is you know a twelve team. So I don't know if I'm not sure. In reading so far, I haven't been able to read as much because we're still doing this. But like, right. I don't know if that bumps it up for the next two years while they're still in it. I'm guessing it does. 
Um, but either way, I think it's a it's a solid deal. I don't. I'm not going to call it like groundbreaking, earth shattering, but it's it's a good good solid deal. Um, I am excited to see how everybody on the West Coast spins this. Is good for the Pac-12. That'll be some fun reading. Well, the, the Pac-12 is going to end up with the same kind of deal as the uh, SEC and Big Ten. Did you know that? Yeah, they're going to catch them eventually. Yeah, sometime. Uh, good morning, Tonk. The love of... <laughs> woke up feeling like the love of your life broke your heart. Broke your heart, so I broke her jaw. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, but, I mean... We got the breaking news. We got it. We got to talk about it. Uh, but I, th- I think we've kind of, you yeah. know, it'll be interesting. You know, we're, we won't get too deep into like what's going to happen, but something, something on the offensive side, especially. Like I'm not. The defense had a bad game against a team that can't exploit you uh, with with their speed and with their scheme, and they had a bad game, and it was it was. Stunning and disappointing and shocking because that rarely ever happens. But I'm not really worried about the defense. And we're um, still we're still in a, a. I mean, Luke said like, you know, he still believes all of their goals from the beginning of the season are on the table. Um, they and, are. It's just a little it's more. A, it's a little more muddied now. Um, you know, that loss was not like a, a a ender as far as making the conference championship. If they win, if they win their next four games, then they're definitely going to be. I can't say that they're. It's like a hundred percent that they're going to be in it because with a loss, you just don't know how the tiebreakers and stuff are going to work yeah. out. But you know, Tulane is the only undefeated team in the conference now. They still have to play uh, UCF at home and come to Cincinnati. UCF obviously has the tiebreaker over UC, but they still obviously have to go to. Uh, to Tulane and to Memphis, Houston. Now, for all the stuff that we've talked about, Houston they have won four in a row, have only one loss, and I don't think they have a very tough schedule the rest of the way. So, with their one loss, they're gonna they're gonna be throwing some wrenches in, into things because they don't have to worry about the tiebreakers. Um. Yes, they play SMU, Temple, East Carolina, and Tulsa. They lost, they, like, and they lost to Tulane. So Tulane will have the tiebreaker on them. But they, that's the thing their with own. Houston is like it's kind of like you really don't know what you're going to end up with there. No, but they're starting to play better, and they yeah, you know, they don't really they don't have they've already played Tulane, and they don't have UC or UCF, and you know they got to go to East Carolina, which we've saw last week. That can be a problem, but. Um, but the defense, I, I have confidence will, will kind of write the ship, the offense. I need to see a lot more. I need to see, and I don't know, I don't know what you really do at this stage. Like you're eight games in, like what your game planning now for your game planning for, for Navy, what, like what wholesale changes can you truly do? Well, and the thing, the thing with Navy though, is like, that that's a game plan in and of itself. Like it's not because you have to game plan for the triple option. Although didn't they throw the ball like an awful lot a couple weeks ago? I don't know. They didn't throw it once yesterday. 
They won in overtime against Temple. Um, they didn't run the ball great either. I think they only ran for like 100, not even 200 yards. But they'll they'll bring pressure. They'll they got they had four sacks. They'll do all the inside stuff that we struggled with yesterday. And if you don't get if you can't sustain drives, you're never going to be on the field against them. Regardless of how good your defense plays, I mean, you give up one or two first downs. That's a five six minute drive. That's my that that's kind of my biggest fear is like when like I was saying when you look at our offensive production, and it's not like you know an eight you know getting a couple first downs and then you know, you, you kind of sputter out. It it's literally three plays and punt, three plays and punt, or then you throw in a, a ten play you know eighty yard drive for a touchdown, but then you go three more in a row where you're you know three and out. And you go against a team. I mean, that that could be a case where you know UC has the ball for literally ten minutes of an entire yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be challenges offensively. You don't like that's why I said that. I mean, what can you truly change? I'm in in one week. You know, from a scheme standpoint, from a, a way you call your scripture beginning to who you deploy in certain formations or um so it's it's gonna be a lot i mean there's not a whole lot you can do at this stage because you don't you don't want to turn around and like do all of this stuff where then you're now confusing your players because you're asking them to do a bunch of things that you maybe haven't worked like you don't just have this like <clears throat> on this this wide open playbook because <clears throat> you only work certain things like yeah absolutely you gotta you gotta call the stuff that you've spent the most time working and honing and fine tuning like we're not just gonna be like okay let's call start calling all these plays that we haven't really worked on since week three yeah. uh, and then uh, sorry like cut that off I just see Holly no, says her here that uh, I guess Chad uh, spoke about Jabari Taylor. Um, I know Aaron had tweeted out uh, a picture that Jabari was taking some warm-up reps yesterday. Um, I don't think he played in the game at all. No, but, he didn't. He didn't. Um, so he was he was out there taking some warm-up stuff. So maybe that's a, a good sign that things are are closer than yeah you know, him being gonna, out for the year. Uh, they're going to need him. I mean, because they're going to go four down line. They're going to run more of a four four against Navy. So. You know, you have an extra body out there, and if you're down a body, then that that really, really hurts you, especially just because he's one of your best defensive linemen. So um, you're, yeah. you're you're going to be asking some some players that have never really gotten meaningful snaps against that type of offense to go in there and play a bunch of snaps. Yeah, and there's probably and with Navy, there's going to be a lot of snaps <laughs> to be out there. Well, I mean, playing. that's the thing is, if you slow them down on first down. You can you can get them off the field. First down to Navy is everything, because um, it allows them to just pull it, run their run their stuff. If you give them four, five, six yards on first down, you're screwed. Yeah, because then you end up with with all the other stuff. Uh, Watley, uh, Tonk saying that uh, Watley looked great yesterday. I, I thought he got hurt. He got, the end he, of the he, game. he came back in. He got credited with their yeah. one sack, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only players that I think looked truly looked great yesterday were Mason Fletcher and Ryan Coe. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, it it is nice to know that we have a a guy that can kick field goals. Uh, he's he's kicking the ball well right now. Yeah. So I'm def- definitely glad. I, I to rocked see my that. Mason Fletcher jersey yesterday. I had, the one that I I won that oh, jersey, won? That, that that giveaway. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna. I think Aaron's framing his, but Does, um, is it autographed? No. Well, we gotta, no, just, you got to get it to get it to us, and we'll maybe get, we can get it autographed. Yeah, we can see if we can't get an autograph on it. Uh, <coughs> Marley says, "What's going on with Corey Kiner?" Uh, we touched on that earlier. Uh, Luke said that he was healthy, dressed, ready to go, and they uh, they just didn't they didn't use him. Just flow of the game, not being able to run the ball. Just we and we hit on that earlier, um, but. Let's um let's go ahead and get into some uh some stuff around the nation and I'm gonna start with my vols. Rocky Top. I'm uh you know Mark. It's n- Mark probably is gonna be in a bad mood today, but he should feel okay about it because basketball season has started, and no one really cares that you got curb stomped because you're not a football school. You're a basketball school, and the more you realize that, the better you'll be. And yeah, we just took it to them, forty-four to six. They honored the basketball team at one of the breaks or whatever, and they had the basketball team walk right in front of the Kentucky section and just wave to all their fans. <laughs> hey, Tennessee! I know that we t- we talk a lot of football stuff here, but Tennessee's basketball team uh, put it put oh. it on the Zags. But also in a, in a be, totally uh, meaningless scrimmage where one of Tennessee's best players didn't even play. Yeah. So, there you go. But uh but yeah, Tennessee big win sets up a monumental game next week, which I will see none of because of course it's at the same time as the UC game. And you just hit the record button, go back and watch it. Yeah, but all my friends just t- text nuts yeah. during the game and um I don't want to watch uh I don't like going back when I already know what's happening. What's gonna happen? Um, but yeah, so Georgia, Tennessee next week, Ohio state had a, a struggle for a little bit and then scored four touchdowns in the six minutes with Penn I state. Was, yeah. I, I still say that game was a lot closer than, uh, than that score. It, oh, it was for sure. Yeah, was. Like... For sure. And Penn state scored a, a totally meaningless touchdown at the end of the at game the end. to yeah. make it 44, 31. <clears throat> but yeah, for three quarters, I mean, it was 16-14, and then Ohio State, Ohio State had a defensive player, I cannot pronounce his last name, that had one of the most insane games I've ever seen from a defensive lineman. I think he had two sacks, a forced fumble, two interceptions, one for a touchdown. Their defensive end was unbelievable. Yeah, two two sacks. Yep, six total tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss, a pass defense, a touchdown, uh, and it's JT. And then I can't yeah, pronounce I can't his name either. So we'll uh, we'll leave that one. I did, I did not see see this. Uh, Michigan State yeah. players. I did not see that. I did see that Michigan State had negative yards of offense in the second half. So if you're depressed about our offense, just you know, sometimes yeah. it can be worse. The uh. That 
that's going it popped up i think on twitter last night and throughout there's like a it, it was in the another issue in the michigan tunnel oh really for, i mean ha- for, having players leave the field in the same tunnels can can be problematic for some reason there was one single michigan player in the middle of all of the michigan state players after the game was over walking and they were like pushing him around sh- like shoved him on the ground and like, he finally was able to like get out of the the group of them and kind of get away but yeah you go solo for a minute here oh okay so you had uh you had we'll talk about that uh michigan michigan state 29 to 7 uh michigan state's quarterback was 17 for 32 15 and a touchdown uh blake corum uh michigan's running back 33 carries 177 yards on touchdown we all know michigan state is not uh I don't know. We very good. Uh, the Big Ten in itself, I don't think, is a a very good conference. Uh, you got a couple of their teams at the top that are. Did you say the Big Ten? Yeah, it's not very good. Yeah, they've done a great overall. job convincing the nation that it's good football, but when it's and really it's, just Ohio State and lately Michigan. Yeah, and outside of that, it's. I mean, it really like you, know, you cut off that fourth quarter. Obviously, you play four quarters in a game, but yeah. You know, thought Penn State really took it to Ohio State uh, as best they could. Um, obviously, we know that's a collision course of Ohio State and Michigan um, coming together in a few weeks. Oh, for, that, for sure. That, that whole thing. Uh, TCU, West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia w- was bringing it in that game uh, up until the end, and then they ended up down losing 41-31. But I thought West Virginia, like they, they played – Pretty well against a team that's undefeated coming into the, into their house. The big, um, my biggest my biggest shocker of the day was just Kansas well, State forty eight nothing over Oklahoma yeah. State. Like I, I thought Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State was the best team in the Big Twelve, and they went in there and run. I mean, it was thirty five nothing at half. Like it was this wasn't oh, this was right out the shoot, just a beat down. You want to talk about getting punched in the mouth and and Deuce Vaughn, who you've spoke uh, about, love it, love him throughout this uh the bearcat brunch you know we're nine episodes in and you've brought him up several times i mean he's he's a dude 22 carries 158 yards and a touchdown um their quarterback was 21 for 37 296 and four touchdowns so i don't know what else you're really going to be able to discern from that game other than oklahoma state apparently uh forgot they were supposed to be playing a football game um Wake Forest losing uh, to Louisville. Yeah, gave up 35 unanswered points in the third quarter alone. Turned it over six times. That's, yeah. So, uh, Wake Forest quarterback was 20 for 35, 271 and a touchdown. Uh, And Louisville's running back 11 carries, 106 yards and a touchdown. Evans, I don't know really know a lot about Louisville's guys because they've not been on the radar of being a quality football team for a while so uh you got USC one UCLA beat Stanford pretty handily uh Ole Miss uh squeaked one out over Texas A&M 31 28 I don't know if there was anything crazy in that game uh their quarterback uh Texas A&M's quarterback 28 for 44 338 and four touchdowns um other than the the Oklahoma State and Wake Forest losses, I don't know that there was anything that was 
totally unexpected. Obviously, you got Cincinnati losing to UCF, but I think we all, maybe before the, the ECU-UCF game, I think we all kind of had this as one that was a, a potential loss, um, and then maybe we started feeling a little better after the uh, after UCF lost to ECU, um, and it just didn't. I mean, obviously, if you want to listen to our breakdown, there's an hour of it before this. So, yep. um, I got a little uh, bit more. Name. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, uh, I have more say, on, no, the, on the conference, on, on the TV deal. Okay. Well, uh, let me, I'll, I'll throw yeah. this out. Then Notre Dame uh, got back on the uh, the right side of the scoreboard and beat Syracuse, a ranked Syracuse team. They have a, they have a dude at running back. Notre Dame has this kid that is a monster. Estimate. Estimate. He yeah, they call him Baby Bus. Beast. <laughs> they, they they call him Baby Bus. So he, uh, and I, I'm assuming that Drew Pine is still the the quarterback yeah. that they're going with over there. Nine for 1916 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And Audric Estime had 20 carries for 123 yards, two touchdowns. Syracuse's quarterback got hurt, didn't play the second half. Um, okay. I want to give a I want to give a shout out to Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. I want to congratulate them on scoring more than 24 points against an FBS team for the first time in a year, in over a year, actually. So congrats on that. They scored 28. Uh, unfortunately, Ole Miss scored 31. 31. And now your $95 million or $85 million buyout head coach is 3-5 and five and 1-4 and four in the SEC. So congratulations, Aggies. <laughs> I mean, how, how can you possibly, with that amount of talent, I mean, I guess talent, maybe not, but like, not score in college football more than 24 points against a FBS team in over a calendar year. <laughs> it's like, how is that even possible? Yeah, I, like, I know the SEC is good. It's not like you're playing Georgia every week. Right. Well, <laughs> I guess we're going to have to figure some things out. But, but congratulations, <laughs> you broke the streak. Outside of that, like I said, there wasn't, I mean... I think Oregon Cal, no Oregon. That was never a game. Cal had him uh, on the ropes early, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't ever going to be a thing. So, outside of that, <clears throat> kind of a ho hum around the NCAA. I mean, it, yeah, there's two couple outliers of uh, Oklahoma State and uh, and Wake Forest. So. You have a, to put it in perspective, this new agreement is a 72.7 increase in the average annual value of its current deal, which started in 2012. Uh, let's see. In the conference liked the idea that the shorter six-year deal that runs through 2031 means that the Big 12 will be back in the market ahead of both the SEC, whose deal with ESPN goes through 2034, and the ACC, who deal, whose deal goes in through 2036. For the A package, ESPN gets the top four football picks each season, six of the top eight picks, eight of the top 12, and 12 of the top 20 as part of the deal. ESPN also gets the rights to the Big 12 football championship game and the basketball tournament championship game. The Big 12's parody helped convince Pop Fox, whose package includes 26 football games per season, 
that will run on Fox Broadcast Network and FS1. Um, um, I think that's that's all the like numbery type things in, in that article. It sounds like a pretty good deal. I mean, it, it is good and beneficial to be able to come back as, as long as your product stays uh, quality. It sounds uh, like Fox will get some Big 12 basketball. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of basketball games to go around, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it would be, uh, obviously, I think everybody would agree that uh, being able to watch games not on ESPNU. I think I said ESPN Plus earlier, and I just meant meant that because you have to go to the app to watch ESPN, like the ESPNU stuff most of the time. Um, that sounds good. I mean, as long as the product stays quality, which I don't have any any reason or belief to think that it will uh, fall short of that, uh, that going back to the table early uh, is or ahead of the other conferences gives you a little bit of a leg up. And I think we've all talked about uh, Brett Yormark being, you know, the things he, where he comes from and the way he deals and things. I, I don't have any, any worries that it's going to suddenly drop off to, you know, 7 million per team. No, no. And um, it probably means that Fox is now done. So the PAC 12 is looking at ESPN and some form of streaming. Good so, luck with that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know streaming, like, streaming is streaming and people are cutting the cord still and all that. But, like, if, even if you look at the Amazon numbers from the NF, their standalone NFL game, they've basically been cut in half each week. Well, and like a lot it, of that has to deal with, like, the the atrocity that Thursday night football is. Oh, they've been terrible games. I mean, I. I from the time from the Bengals game, I had not watched a second of any of their the Thursday night games up until this past one. But just you know, everyone's will talk about oh, it's the NFL; it doesn't matter. Well, they had like thirteen to fifteen million that first week, and then last week, not the numbers for this week haven't been out yet, I don't think. But the week before it was like around eight, and that's for the NFL, like Washington State. Cal on Amazon. I don't think that's going to do a very good number. Yeah, probably, probably not. And I don't know that there's a, the, the other thing is like, we know Amazon's worth a, a lot of money, but like how much are they really willing to, to, to pay out? Uh, for they're, these not, games? they're not overpaying. That's for sure. Well, they're not going to overpay and well, and they don't have to because it, it's a, a situation of like the fact was like, where are you going to go? You give them the, the Phil Castellini, where are you going to exactly. go? Because I mean, if, if Fox is done, ESPN's probably got some left over, but do they really have, you know, the huge giant numbers that are going to put them back up with the, uh, oh, ESPN with the SEC will def- soon, ESPN right? ESPN will definitely give them. There's value in that in that 10 o'clock, 10.30 Eastern time slot. Like, there, there's yeah. no, not, no doubt about that, but like... ESPN is now going to have, obviously, be the exclusive partner to the SEC and the ACC. They're the main, they're the A 
partner for the Big 12, like how much money do they really need to give for that one specific time slot? And then everything else is going to go on streaming. Like they might, they might, like that's the thing is they might give you decent money. Like it might end up being similar to what the Big 12s is 30 million, 25, 30 million, but the exposure won't be anywhere the same. Yeah. So good luck. Have at it, Pac 12. Yep. So, um, Bearcats in the NFL. Mike Boone, four rushes, 23 yards. Today? Um, no, this, this, mor- is from, this morning? This is for, oh, were they in London? They're in London. They're losing 10 uh, nothing. No, this was from last week. Up 10 7 now. <laughs> Kobe Bryant had six tackles and a tackle for loss. Uh, Derek Forrest had five tackles. Sauce Gardner, 10 tackles and three pass defense. And also garnered. Uh, Defensive player of the week and rookie of the week and all the good things that he's doing there. Um, I touched on it on PTP. I said, I think he's getting a little bit of uh, like veteran cornerback love because he's, or he just completely is able to disguise the little uh, hand fighting that he's able to, to get away with, which is fine. And I'm okay with it. Cause it's sauce. Um, Travis Kelsey had six receptions for 98 yards. Jason Kelsey, again, uh, zero sacks, zero pressures. Uh, Chris Moore, two receptions for 20 yards and a touchdown. And Alec Pierce, three receptions, 37 yards. And now he also gets a new quarterback. Because Matt Ryan is (laughs) no longer the quarterback there. So, Bearcats in the NFL are doing amazing things and I, I said it on ptp that it uh, makes my sundays a little bit more enjoyable because even when the Bengals game you know the Bengals game is either a later game or like this week they don't play till tomorrow i can still flip on uh some of these other games and see some guys that i care about what they're doing uh, in the nfl mm-hmm. oh yeah now boone's on the ir now yeah i did remember he got hurt last week okay so that was that must have been and Jerome Ford also went on the IR. So, oh, he did. Yeah, we were, we were trying to figure out why we couldn't, why there was no, uh, why they had gone away from him um, returning punts and stuff. Oh. Because, uh, but it's because he's on the IR, so that, you know, that'll do it. Yeah, you know, for sure. Keep you from the field. Um. Well, yeah, it's and then you know you have Travis and Jason doing their. Uh, their podcast, the New Heights one. I don't know if you've watched much I've, of that or seen. I've listened like the, to a bit. It's like quite, the clips and things, good. it's mm-hmm. very, very good, and it's um, it's good exposure for for Cincinnati as well, just because uh, I think out of their, I think they've probably got five or six episodes out now. Um, the majority of them, they're wearing UC gear, and you know they bring up Cincinnati and UC stuff. Oh yeah, pretty frequently. So. That is good uh, free free advertisement for the university. For sure, for sure. Well, I think that's uh, about wraps it up, right? Yeah, that'll uh, that'll do. We've got a got uh, we got Navy next week. So. Navy four o'clock Saturday, so, November fifth. Weather early weather projection seemed to be a, a wonderful 
fall Saturday. So I, I hope to see everyone's beautiful faces uh, tailgating, enjoying the game. Uh, and hopefully we can you know start a new streak, yeah. get back get back on the winning ways and have a uh, winning winning bearcat brunch next Sunday morning. So with that, I want to thank everybody for joining again. As always, please leave comments on the YouTube. Please like, subscribe, listen on iTunes, Spotify. Come on the message board. Tell us what you think, what you want us to to hit on, what we can do better. Uh, And we will be back next Sunday morning for another edition of Bearcat Brunch. Have a great Sunday, everybody.